You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. On today's show, we're continuing our discussion on the power of workplace culture in emerging startups by talking with corporate communications professional Robert Lopez. As someone with a wealth of experience working in the startup industry, Rob's going to share his unique perspective on the realities of creating a positive workplace culture in the fast-paced world of emerging startups. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Robert Lopez. Thank you. So, Rob, before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your professional background? Sure, sure. Uh, so, I've been in corporate communications um, well for about the last 25 years. So, uh, I've done a, a variety of different things. Um, started off as a newspaper reporter. Uh, I think when I first came to know you, Teresa, I was working at a racetrack doing right. uh, corporate communications there. And uh, then I discovered a place called the Silicon Valley. Uh, moved out there to the San Jose area and uh, started working for some some big tech companies doing both uh, external communications, what we would refer to as public relations um, in that realm, and then also employee communications. So I kind of split my career. As I look back on my career, half of it, I would say, has been focused on external focus type of communication, PR, and the other half, internal or employee communications. So uh, today I'm... um, living in Irvine, uh, well, working in Irvine, living in Newport Beach, and uh, working for a small uh, financial tech or fintech company here in Irvine. That's great. I think you're going to have so much perspective to share with us on this topic. It's going to be great. So on our last episode, uh, we had heard the C-suite perspective on the importance of creating a positive workplace culture when we talked with Andre Berengian, who's the CEO of a company called C-Digital Labs. But for today's episode, I really wanted to continue that discussion more from the employee perspective. So knowing that you've been involved with startups over the years and your career as a public relations professional and the second part of that, employee communications, I wanted to get your input and hear what you you've seen and learned over the years when it comes to the realities of creating a workplace culture in that startup area. Mm -hmm. So let's start with how the job of public relations really fits into creating a workplace culture, because I'm not sure everybody actually understands maybe how that works. Yeah, I would say the job of employee communications, the more internal focused position, that's really um, uh, one of the hats I'm wearing today, and it really does fit into building culture for a company. Um, You know, I've had a I was talking about my background a minute ago. You know, I've worked for companies with 85,000 employees, and I've worked for companies as small as 50 employees. So I think I've had this kind of uh, front seat, you know, uh, uh, experience uh, as a as a communications person running these departments and running these culture programs, but also as an employee myself, you know, and experiencing right. it. So um, I've seen some 
good cultures, and I've seen some pretty <laughs> bad ones, uh, I have to say. So, uh, but, but, you know, as I, I look back on those experiences, the big takeaway for me is that corporate culture or, or the lack of it is, I want to say it's directly correlated to the bottom line for companies. And I think this is a really important message that sometimes gets lost. Um, how can you, you know, achieve your business goals uh, without having truly engaged employees, uh, you know, who are giving their all to the cause. Uh, people are the foundation of, of a strong business. Um, I, I know that sounds obvious, but I think it gets lost on people. I do too. So in our last episode, when we were talking with Andre, we were saying that, you know, this idea or the ideal really that, you know, creating corporate, corporate culture isn't about, you know, let's call on the marketing people, let's get a branding slogan going on, let's get some bullet points and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's about knowing the type of culture and the environment that you want to create at the start before you even get there, at the very beginning, and then hiring to that, hiring the people that you know are going to embody that culture and then have the drive to help you move it forward once you get things going. Is that because I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, hiring the right people is definitely a key component of developing the culture you want at your company. But, you know, culture is more than just hiring the people. Let's assume that we get some good people in. Culture is is, is about people and how they interact with each other in group settings. That's kind of the definition of it. Um, you know, it's it, it, having a strong culture. I think is really pure gold for, for companies, and there's there's several reasons why. It makes it makes it easier to hire and retain talented people right. in a competitive market, and we're in a really competitive market um, uh, these days. Employees, in fact, will even turn down jobbers, job offers, even if they're great offers, if they know that the the, the culture is a lousy one. They'll they'll just pass. They'll they'll say no thanks. Um, so. That, that type of, you know, having a strong culture is very important. It's more important than money. <laughs> no, I know. I think it's really important. And if we, if we get to it, we, I want to talk a little bit about, about how people find out about what the, you know, what mm -hmm. the culture is at a, at a company mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. those types of decisions. But I, what I tend to see, and I really am interested in your perspective, is that usually it seems to me that in the early stages of creating the companies, mm -hmm. the people involved are very focused on the widget. Or the service and like getting it out to the public and how are we going to do that and all that the they really fail to see the value like you said in hiring people at the beginning mm -hmm. because if you don't and i keep going back to that i guess because if you don't if you don't start there then like you said right. it's going to fail down the line because what i've seen is where because the message gets diluted if you don't have top down buy-in right then the message gets delegated or people get too busy and they have great intentions at first, but they get too busy with the widget yeah. and the you know the for sure. the startup aspect of it, and it gets diluted because it gets passed to somebody else to carry out. Right, but let, let's take a look. So you have a startup company. That's kind of what we're focused on here today. You're you're starting a company. You need somebody who's good at finance. You need somebody who's good at marketing. Somebody who's good at engineering. Those are going to be kind of your top your your first hires, right? Um, and right after you apparently, as I understand, get rid of all your family members that helped you get. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. But but you need you need some solid some hires there. But I you know th that are good in those very specific areas of the business. Many times they're they're very good at that, but they're not very good at the people side, right? And and yeah. developing the people, um, and the and the what is a lot of times regarded as the softer skills um, related to business, not the hard metrics of building a widget or um, the dollars and cents. So I think 
everybody starts off with those intentions, but they get so busy in a startup managing the business, the daily grind, you know, of, 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 of getting a product out to market, as you were saying, um, that th- those softer skills, those people management, it, it starts to wane. It, it, it does. It gets diluted, and people forget about it. And um, uh, or not entirely, but it's not a focus anymore. And things start to go wrong at that point. I think that's what I see. And I think that. Well, what do you think of this idea that I think this is along the lines of what you're saying, though? Is everybody has great intentions? You hire the people in the key spots, but what I tend to see is everybody sort of puts the HR aspect the employee communications off to the side because those are soft skills. We'll worry about that later. So what ends up happening is for some odd reason, I see it all the time, the payroll person. Payroll person gets designated to be the HR person. And then those duties, because nobody's actually doing the HR stuff. So when they do go to hire people, it's delegated to managers and supervisors who don't have the same concept. They're not, they don't, they're not, not that they don't care. They're not focused on the same things. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, I, I, we're 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 kind of painting with a broad brush. Um, oh, that's true. Um, we are talking generally. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, the scenario that you're outlining does happen at companies, but then there are other companies that do take this seriously. So um, uh, that can happen. Uh, I can't speak, you know, obviously for all companies. I've seen it done that way, as as you described, and I've seen it, uh, as I said before, done the proper way. And when it's delegated to HR, not not to you know to talk down about HR folks, but th- that's not their their core competency, right? Right, uh, right. And so you're you're asking them to take on a job that that really requires a different skill set. So it's not a good idea to do that. I think you need uh, maybe this is self serving because I'm a communications person, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's important and it's becoming the the point here is it's becoming more and more important, you know. Every year, um, this is a job. I'll speak for my my brethren in this in this uh, th- this industry uh, is, is not going to be taken over by robots. You know, th- th- <laughs> thankfully, thankfully. Uh, One thing AI can't do. That's right. Um, it's it's really important. It's becoming more important. Um, and. Uh, we were talking about some statistics earlier about, you know, one that comes to mind. I was on LinkedIn, and they were talking about the average tenure for an employee these days. And I don't know if this was just tech or just general business. It's like 16 months, and they, they go look for another job. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it's alarming to me. So I think culture has a lot to do with that. People are not liking the culture. That's maybe one of the reasons. I'm sure there are several. I'm almost certain that's one of them, that they're just not jiving with what's 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 happening with the company culture and they're they have choices and they're going to go to other places yeah i agree all right well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to continue talking with rob and get his more of his perspective uh and he's going to talk about us a little bit about the realities creating a positive workplace culture and his takeaways for those intrepid employees looking to jump into the exciting world of startups but stay with us we'll be right back Learn everything you need to know about the new legislative and regulatory changes for 2019 by joining Sapphire Legal and Owen Dunn Insurance on January 15th for our annual 2019 Employment Law Update. Visit our website at sapphirelegal.com for more details or call us at 949-535-5266. I'm more resourceful than I thought. My suit can still make an impression. 
My video games are still game changers. And my lamp can bring others a bright future. Because when I donate my stuff to Goodwill, it helps fund job placement and training for people right in my community. Now my stuff gets a second chance. And will give someone in my community a second chance too. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. That's Goodwill.org. This message brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. We love to hear from our listeners. If you have questions, feedback, or unique workplace perspective or experience you'd like to share, email us at perspective at sapphirelegal.com or get in touch via our Sapphire Legal Facebook page. Just use the hashtag workplace perspective in your post so we know you want your question on the show. And together, we'll continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Back to Teresa and her guest. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with corporate communications professional Robert Lopez about the realities of creating a positive workplace culture in emerging startups. I want to switch gears a little bit because we've touched on it twice now and talk a bit about sort of the intangible cost to the workplace culture from some of these online review sites like hmm. Indeed and Glassdoor and Vault is the other one. So tell me how you see those sites impacting the startup work culture. Sure. Um, I think Glassdoor is the one that's most top of mind for, for most people these days. Uh, I know when I'm looking for a company, and I'm sure a lot of other folks, that's one of the first stops. They go to Glassdoor when they're doing the research for a potential employer. And um, I got to say, it is a brilliant business model. I wish I would have thought of Glassdoor. <laughs> uh, because it really, it gives folks the opportunity to say whatever is just about whatever's on their mind. And um, it's causing a lot of... Uh, I don't know, anxiety, is that the right word for, for employers? Um, so they're taking it serious. They're taking it very seriously. Um, in fact, um, I'll tell you a little story, and I hope I don't get myself in trouble with this, but uh, <laughs> one of the companies I work for uh, uh, that was owned by a private equity firm, um, they, they made an offer on the, the company that I was working for. They bought the company. Um, and then after the fact, they went back and looked at Glassdoor, became familiar with it, and started looking at uh, some of the commentary on Glassdoor and the ratings and what people were saying about um, our CEO at the time and about the culture. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah, and it wasn't flattering. Far, far from it. And the owners of that private equity firm flat out said, had they had had they seen that commentary before they made the offer, they would have made a much lower offer. This is, this is absolute truth. Wow. Um, and they put a lot of value on, on the perception, um, real or otherwise, uh, that, that, that people are ascribing to, uh, uh, to the company. And, uh, so I thought that was a really, uh, interesting insight. Well, that's eye-opening, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was to me. So it's it's real. But I think uh, these sites, so they, they have a ability to create a reputation. Now, I think that people out there should take those comments with a grain of salt. Because uh, remember, I'm in corporate communication, so I play both <laughs> both sides. I'm an advocate for employees, but I'm also advocating for, for the employer. And uh, not everything that's said on those sites is, is accurate, true. I think people vent. They're mad if they got let go. Um, if there was a reduction in force, you know, they're going to, that's a great place for them to go and just let it all out. Yeah. And they do. And, but, you know, you have little recourse. So it's, um, it's a very interesting business model. I think it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people took those seriously when they first came out. That, oh, it's just a bunch of employees, you know, venting their frustrations, like you said, and it's not that really. But I think that there's been enough comments on there 
not made, I don't think, by, you know, employers going on there and, you know, trying to counteract that. Right. But people who actually want to go on and give a more balanced opinion, which I think is how they got to be so legitimate. Yeah, well, maybe. But I think it's, it's, it's always that the people who leave the comments tend to be um, the, the outliers, the, 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 yeah. the ones that are the most negative or maybe the most positive. But usually people that are content and happy don't find too much time. It's just been my experience to go on a glass door and leave comments. It's yeah. people that are say, disgruntled. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, and so then I, I, that's why I think it's not always fair and balanced. And um, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yes, those types of sites are having uh, have an effect on a company's reputation, for sure. Well, I think it's interesting. So when I do trainings, I always talk about those sites as being from a manager perspective. So someone who actually has input in the ability to, you know, help craft that culture and, and pull that culture forward in a positive way. I talk to those people about the fact that, you know, while it's great you may be with this employer, but that might not always be the case. And do you want to be sitting in front of another employer who has seen you are at a high level at another company and they look up that company, Mm -hmm. maybe on one of those sites, and they see comments negative about the culture, about the management style and all those things. Do you really want to be sitting in front of a recruiter or a new employer explaining why you're the exception to the rule? as to why this, you know, why the culture is so bad. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, as an employee, you can't always uh, uh, have, a, have a direct effect on, yes. on that. So when you're Absolutely. going somewhere else, you're, you're going to talk about why, why you're there to, to, to come to a better culture. Yeah, exactly, you know? right? So, that's uh, a pretty easy one. Maybe that's, maybe that's easier than I think it is to yeah. explain. Yeah, no, it's not, of course. Why do you think I'm leaving? Exactly. I don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about um, a, a little bit... Um, well, let's do this. So tell me tell me the project that you're most proud of um, from a corporate culture impact or from an employee engagement perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I, I've done a lot of programs over the years. Um, some of the ones I'm most proud of are, are ones I've done actually in the field of public relations. Um, but as I switched hats and came into employee communications, um, the I think the common denominator are the programs that are the, the, have been the most successful have been the ones where I've let other people get involved in it. It's not just me uh, delegating it and saying, thou shalt do this type of uh, engagement program. What I've discovered is uh, it's, it's empowering other people to be part of it and to oh, have skin yeah. in the game, right? And when I see, when we do that, I see amazing amazing programs come to life and people are just so fired up you know and they, they feel like they have their fingerprints on the on the success of of uh of the program so i'm most proud of those types of programs and there's lots of them and i'm not going to bore your listeners with, <laughs> with all these things but we we i like to create the um the infrastructure for those thing those types of uh programs to thrive where, where employees can get involved uh so it's empowerment it's it's showing them how that they can do it um, not just waiting for the executives to, to roll out something and, you know, and they, everybody just has a collective yawn and now the suits are coming out with something again. So you want, it, it needs to be from the bottoms up, top, top down for sure. You know, you need to set the tone at the highest um, levels of the company, but the bottoms up. So it's the rank and file need to get involved too. And when we do that, great success. I love it. I love it. Okay. So then what was your biggest flop? <laughs> Um, it may it may be still yet to come. Uh, 
uh, I think my biggest uh, flops have been when I have not advocated for for employees. Um, when we're talking about culture uh, culture programs. Anytime that I've taken the position of, of the corporation and not considered the employees and put them kind of really understand their perspective, I think things have well, flopped, as you said, you know, yeah. maybe not been as good as they, uh, they could have been. So um, nothing really specific, but um, my, my objective is always to uh, advocate for the employees first. Well, that's good. Yeah. I like that. I want to go back to something we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, do you think that in this, so when a company's focused on the startup phase, that that frenetic sort of energy and the pressure to succeed in the early days, that does that, does that have a negative, does it tend to have a negative impact on the culture, generally speaking, or? The frenetic energy uh, for, for a startup when you're, when you get going, no, I think it's quite the opposite. I think it's actually very, uh, very positive, and I think people join startups for that. They're starving for that frenetic energy. It's different than working. I, I told you I work for an eighty-five thousand person company. Right. Um, I'll go ahead and say it, it was Cisco, uh, <laughs> a big company. Uh, you know, I was there for fifteen years, and um, it, great comp- great corporate culture. Um, shout out to Cisco; they were fantastic. Uh, um, they're always ranked really high. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they've had, like all companies, yeah. they ups and downs. Um, but while I was there, it was really terrific. Um, of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, but, uh, you know, at times I was kind of wanting for that frenetic energy because you, you kind of some, you can get, kind of get lost in a big company sometimes and you just kind of keep doing the same old thing. We're always busy, but... Um, Startups, uh, the, the very nature of what a startup is, uh, there's just, just there's no limit. There's no box that you get put into. You, you're able to, to do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats. And I think, uh, I think that's, that's why people are drawn to it. I like that. That's great. That's really cool. Well, so after all that you've seen over the years, and of course your firsthand experience in working in this area, can you share with our listeners sort of your just a few key takeaways um, for anyone who might be already working in a startup or somebody who might be thinking about going to work in a startup? Yeah. Um, get involved. I mean, you have a great opportunity. You're working in a startup now. You're not at an 85,000-person company or <laughs> some big place where they just tell you, you do a job in this box and that's it. You have a wonderful opportunity to um, shape culture, get involved in different programs. I, I can tell you from my experience, the CEOs, the leadership teams in these um, smaller companies are looking for people who want to step up and, and, and be involved. And you can grow your career in amazing ways that might take many, many years at a bigger company because of the structure. But in a startup, you can, you can in, invent who you want to be, you know. Oh, um, so uh, there's only so many hours in the day. And, of course, startups are, you know, just known for, you know, 16-hour days and all that. Yeah. I I'm not doing that anymore. I work hard. I work hard. If anybody's listening out there, but but uh, you gotta you gotta have you know some balance. But uh, there is a lot of opportunity. Um, you may start in one position, you can end up in another. All right, all right. And I think that's really great advice because you really are. You really do need to create the culture that you want to be in, right? Because that kind of like be the culture. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really important. For sure. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for joining us. You have given our listeners some really great information. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all your experience with us. Thanks, Teresa. 
If you want to connect with Rob, please visit our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast and click on episode 14. I want to also thank our listeners for joining us, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, uh, Paul Roberts, with our music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar.